Hello and welcome. My name is Tom. This is the Enthusiasm Project Season 5, Episode 1, Can You Believe It? And today we're going to talk all about staying in your lane because just stay in your lane and get out of my way. This is the attitude for Season 5 is just you get out of my way. I'm just kidding. That's not that's not it at all. But we are talking about staying in your creative lane today which is something you might have heard me sort of talk about on, I don't know, a couple's table or a stream or something. There's been so many things that have happened since we last talked to each other here. And I think that it's an interesting idea, especially because if you've ever been told to stay in your lane, quote unquote, it's uh, usually a negative thing because it's usually you trying to do something a little bit different or, you know, just branch out a little bit. And then people who are uncomfortable with that say, no, just stay in your lane. Like, what are you doing? However, I think that I have a, a slightly different version or meaning behind that. And when it comes to creativity and making stuff for online and everything, it's something that has been immensely helpful to me lately. And I wanted to kick off this season by talking about that specifically because kind of wrapped up season four on the other side of that, I guess, swerving between lanes, maybe. And last season was just, last season was crazy on the Enthusiasm Project, if you missed it. And <laughs> just because uh, last season really was crazy, I'm being sort of like goofy and jokey, as if it's a HBO Max series or something. But, you know, last season started, and we were just talking about creativity and all this fun stuff. And then it, it sort of switched to... uh hey, I think I can actually help people who want to kind of like strategically while maintaining their integrity, build like their YouTube channel and stuff into a business. And I did this whole series of episodes, which I'm super proud of. If you're listening to this, hopefully you've already heard them. But if you haven't, when you're done listening to this episode, definitely go back and check out the, the three episodes from season four, where I talked about how Heather and I formed our LLC, how... Uh, the different revenue streams that come in through the YouTube channel and just the amounts that those earn so you can get a, a realistic idea of what you might be able to expect. And then a third episode, which is all about the costs of running the channel the way that I was at the time, which all that stuff's pretty much the same, but some things have basically the costs have increased, if anything. And those are really cool. And I got such good feedback from those episodes and I was really happy because it was people were finding them to be very valuable and that was really exciting and then the season took another turn because it the whole process of moving out for my job and moving into, you know, creating online content full time and that whole thing and documenting that through the secret series, which was super fun. And we got like such good feedback from that. And I'm very, very grateful and appreciative of that. But it was like the season was all over the place because so many different things were happening. And then it wrapped up with after that and the transition from leaving work to full-time content creation and then that was also just when all of the numbers for you know my youtube channel stuff just decided to take a nosedive they decided to become deep sea divers and just go to the bottom which normally there are peaks and valleys in any sort of you know journey youtube journey but, and normally I wouldn't really care. I just sort of kind of stay the course and do my own thing. Stay in my lane, if you will. However, this time was a little bit different because the pressure was very, very different. And and where normally it would just kind of be no sweat and roll off my back, it, it really stuck that like, I felt like I was putting more effort into things and they were doing worse which is not a great feeling. Look, I'm trying harder and people like it less. Uh, and I fortunately don't think it was me because for better or worse, everybody's YouTube channel seemed to be doing poorly, at least a lot, uh, pretty much everybody I know. Starting in like April or May of this year, their YouTube channel just started doing badly. There's a lot of reasons behind that. We'll get to that in, into future episodes. Uh, we don't need to dive too much into that right now, but it was at least like, okay, well, it's out of my control. Uh, so what do I do about that? And you probably know that towards the end of last season, I was feeling really bummed out about that. I didn't want to feel bummed out because I didn't want, I didn't even want to admit that that thing, those numbers and things were affecting me negatively, but they absolutely totally were. And 
since taking the break between seasons four and season five, which is actually the longest break I've taken from this podcast, usually between seasons, I'll take maybe one week off and then just jump right back into it. But this was over a month, which is actually really nice because it, it really like gave me the itch of, oh, I really want to like jump back in and I have all these ideas. So definitely recommend that little recharge period there. And during that time, I was kind of working through the same stuff that we're talking about at the end of last season. And I feel like I've gotten to a place where I'm happy with where things are right now. And I would like to explain that and share that. So that way, if you're, if you're doing anything similar or feeling any similar ways, which I kind of feel like anyone who does content creation does feel these ways from time to time, that maybe it'll be helpful and sort of interesting. So that's what we're talking about today. And that's what I'm going to explain when we talk about staying in your creative lane. Uh, before we get into that, though, just a couple quick updates. I am doing a video version of this podcast, which I started doing last season for just about every episode. And the same thing will be true this season, uh, unless there's a reason this season not to be doing a video version. I want to try to do a video version for every episode. It's not too difficult on my end because I have spent a ton of time trying to build this production flow out. So if you're watching the video version of this, I have multiple cameras set up, which is not an unusual thing for streams, but now I've been able to work through Ecamm to get them to alternate automatically at different intervals of time, which is kind of cool. So that way it's not just one shot and I also don't have to be distracted by trying to remember when to switch and all that I can just do the podcast and the camera angles will switch and so you know fine-tune that and I also incorporated the stream deck to automate some stuff for me so I can do the intro with one button and then I can transition to my alternating cameras with one button and then when the show is over I just have to push one button it will play the outro It'll do a, a video graphic thing for the video version. And then when it's done, it just ends the recording and ends the podcast and I am done. It's super cool. So we'll see how well that actually works. If you want to see the video version of this, uh, you can support the show on Patreon. Links are all in the description. Uh, the best ways to support the podcast are either through Patreon or buy me a coffee if you just want to go like, hey, here's some support, but I don't need anything in return. If you want to get some perks and things, that's where Patreon comes into play. I kind of re- um, we talked about, what what is it called? <laughs> Monetization. <laughs> yeah, I'm so good at it. I can't remember what it's called. Talked about that last season and, you know, how to monetize podcasts and things. And it's not something I've ever really done, but I kind of revamped, rebuilt my Patreon from the ground up. So if you're already a patron, nothing really changes other than you might get more stuff, but you don't have to do anything. If you're not, it might be worth checking out. Uh, there's three tiers, and they're pretty simple, starting at $5 and up. And the $5 tier, the low lowest end tier, is the one that will get you access to the video podcast. All the other tiers also get access to the video podcast, in addition to some other stuff as well. So if you want to see a video version, that's the way to do it. Uh, Patreon.com slash Tom Buck. Links are all in the show notes for the episodes, and then you can sign up right there and see the video version, uh, you know. Because who wouldn't want to just, you can listen to my beautiful voice, but why just listen when you can also see my beautiful face in multiple camera angles? Anyway, sometimes video podcasts, and I will like, let me uh, put a stick in the spokes of my tire right now. I did not think video podcasts were worth it for a very long time because I just knew my own habits weren't really... So now I'm not pitching Patreon to you. I'm just talking to anyone who's doing podcasts and thinking about video podcasts and things. I just knew my own habits where if I watched a video podcast, I would kind of look at it and be like, oh, that's cool. Okay, I have an idea. And then I would, you know, set the phone down or plug it into speakers or something and just listen to it like an audio version. And so I thought for myself and for many other people who were asking, it was like video podcasting just is not, it's so much work to add in a video component and it just doesn't seem to be worth it, considering most people are still going to end up listening to it anyway. But over the past year or two, especially, not only have video podcasts become more popular, but people do really seem to like them. And I've, I've even come to like them more myself because you do get to see the person, you get to see the the you know the hand movements and the facial 
reactions and if somebody's talking about something they can actually hold it up if it's a if it's an episode where you're referencing something like hey look at this thing you can bring up you know a screen share or a screenshot like it does kind of help make it feel a little more complete i still do primarily listen to audio only version of podcasts but if there's something i'm interested in and there is a video version i do enjoy that more than i thought and since i am fortunate enough to have a setup where i'm always making videos and doing streams and stuff and through Ecamm where I can just record directly to my computer with basically automated editing through like the ATEMs and everything and the stream deck and all this like mission control buttons that I have laid out in front of me. It actually kind of just works out really well where it's not too much extra effort to add a video component. Uh, And it was kind of fun to figure out this sort of puzzle. So I'm excited to see where that goes. And what I can add to that and how I can sort of enrich it. But I also want to make sure that if you're the audio only person, because if you don't want to support the show on Patreon or anything like that, and you just want to listen to it for free, that's awesome. I am completely blown away that you want to listen to it. And I appreciate that. And I want to make sure that you can still enjoy it just the same way you always have, if not more so. Anyway, (laughs) let's move on and talk about what we're here to talk about today, which is your creative lane. And kind of what I have, I feel like I have gone on like this journey and now I'm reporting back and like, this is, this is what I have learned and now maybe you can learn from it as well. And it really, so much of it does come down to numbers and analytics and the effects that those things have on you as a creator. So first and foremost, I, it's kind of a joke in the YouTube creator world or probably even beyond YouTube in any kind of creative thing, but about checking analytics too often. And I, I don't know a single person with a YouTube channel who doesn't say that they don't check their analytics too often. And I think a lot of people, I actually feel bad because so many people say that they're checking their analytics too much and they feel really guilty about that and they should check them less and they're making you know concentrated efforts to do so and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of disagree. And I don't think you should be living on your analytics page. And I don't think you should be doing anything. You can do whatever works for you. But I'm of the mindset as someone who does check analytics multiple times a day, that as long as that's not disrupting something or interfering with other things, who cares? Like, it's fine. Don't beat yourself up over it or, or anything like that, because it it is kind of nice to keep a pulse on what's happening with your channel. And there are certain things, maybe you're nearing a milestone and you want to, it's, that's important to you. And you want to see like when you hit it, maybe you've released a video that you've worked really hard on and you want to see how it's doing. You would keep an eye on comments, whatever it might be. There's a lot of reasons to, you know, to kind of like regularly check your analytics. And in a week or two, I'll be doing an episode about how to protect your YouTube channel because it's a mess right now out there and it's very, very scary in addition to just bad things like having channels hacked and stuff. Now, YouTube itself in the past few months has like gone on a rampage of accidentally deleting and suspending channels and that can be a very scary, frustrating and hurtful situation, which we'll get into in a future episode. But the part that you need to know now is maybe regularly checking your analytics isn't a bad thing because it at least lets you know, okay, everything's up and running and you can kind of catch problems before they might become bigger problems. But we'll get into that in future episodes. Anyway, that's why I don't think it's terrible to check your analytics. As long as you're not neglecting somebody or, you know, pulling out your phone in the middle of a conversation to check your number or, you know, having a panic attack because you haven't checked your analytics in 36 minutes or something. You know, if you sit down to check your email and you click the little thing and see what the numbers are, who cares? Like, it's something you're putting a lot of effort into. Feel free to check that as much as you want or as little as you want. The thing to be aware of, though, is how those numbers are affecting you. Now, I believe it's once you hit 100,000 subscribers, you have the option or the opportunity to gain access to like a YouTube manager or liaison. I don't know what it's called ain't a part of that club but somebody who will who will sort of like help you with your youtube channel and what i've heard is that a lot of times 
the person that people talk with do recommend don't check your analytics very often. And this is where it's that thing where it's like YouTube is very big and Google is very big. And I feel like the team of people who work with like YouTube on the creator side of things just do not talk to the team of people who work with it on like the platform and algorithmic side of things because they send contradicting messages all the time and it's confusing. So for example, I've heard multiple creators who have their YouTube, I don't know what it's called, we'll call it a liaison, sure. Uh, and that person will tell them, don't get caught up in analytics. In fact, you should only be checking your analytics once a month because you don't want to be so close to it that every dip and every, every dip is a tragedy and every peak is a success. You just want to check in once a month. As long as you're, you know, hitting a general upward trend, everything is good and you have nothing to worry about. Who the heck would only check their analytics once a month? And not only that, it's like not even possible to do that if you're publishing more than one video per month. And to take that even a step further, this is where the contradiction comes into play. As you probably know, the first 24 to 48 hours are some of the most important time periods in a video's release, because that's when YouTube is really testing the video, trying to find out the perfect audience for it. And if it can find the right people, then that's when the video can really take off and do really well. And if it can't find the right people and can't figure out who that video is for, then it just sort of goes like, ah, this video must suck then, so we won't promote it to anybody. And then, you know, maybe randomly later it'll get picked up or, or something. But that first window is really, really key. And I say that because there have been so many people who have shown their their data and their analytics where it's after that 24 to 48 hour window if the video didn't like hit a certain threshold and i don't know what the threshold is or magic numbers or anything but it just sort of is then it dies and that is really frustrating because it's normal for videos for an audience to lose interest in a video over time you know like hey i released this video and it's about something that's really relevant right now but as time goes on you know people aren't going to be that interested in an iphone 7 review or something for example because time passes that's normal what's different is when you have something that seems to be performing at a certain level and then literally from one day to the next it now completely shifts or is completely dead because that's not organic that's not an organic change in audience behavior. That is the platform deciding to drop that video for whatever reason and move into something else. And that can be very frustrating, very confusing as a creator. So suffice it, suffice it to say, once you release a video, the, that first day or two, you're probably going to be checking pretty often, not just to see how the video is doing, but to really kind of see, you know, is this the most accurate or the best title? Is the thumbnail good? Because sometimes you have an idea and you put it out and then once the video goes out, you kind of realize the audience is looking at it a little differently than you had planned. And so maybe the title isn't connecting in the way, in the best, most effective way possible so you can change the title and then that could bring the whole thing to life again. Or I just realized I was looking at the wrong camera. I was like, <laughs> so enjoy the side of my face. Anyway. Um, it, it's just this whole thing of that's time where you can, you know, you can't re-edit the video or change it. If you made a total turd of a video, you can't polish it. But if you made a great video and there's just little tweaks you could do, that could be the time to, to spend doing that. But if you're only checking your analytics and stuff once a month, what? And if you're releasing a video a week, that's four videos a month. So... Literally, like the best practice to give your your YouTube channel, your YouTube video, the m best chance to succeed goes against the advice that other YouTube people are giving about only check once a month. So that's where it can be confusing and frustrating. And then people become obsessed with numbers and then start beating themselves up because they feel like they're checking them too often. And it's this whole weird, vicious cycle, which is one of those things that if you've ever had the experience of somebody telling you like, oh, watch out. Once this happens, be careful because then this thing could happen. And then you think, I know that happens to everyone, but it won't happen to me because of reasons. And then it does because that's how things work. That's what happened to me with, uh, with my YouTube channel and stuff was once as I was considering going full time, 
one of the very common things that people said was once it goes full time, it changes your perspective and things you, you care about the numbers so much and the stress is very different. And I was like, hey, I have grown <laughs> this, this channel by just doing things my own way and, and, you know, not paying attention to that kind of stuff. And it has grown well and it's been organic and it's been authentic and I'm super proud of it. So I'll just keep doing that. It doesn't really matter whether or not I'm leaving my job. I'll just keep doing things the same way I always have been on the channel. And that, I think ultimately that probably is the best strategy, which I will get to in, I say in a second, but you know, I talk for a while. It'll be a while. Uh, ultimately, I do think that's the best strategy, but it's it's just inevitable when when it becomes your primary source of income and a simple thing like an algorithmic change can cut your ad revenue in half, for example, or that algorithmic change that cuts your views in half then also means that fewer people are now going through your affiliate links or signing up for your course or your email list. It, it's not even just ad revenue and just like YouTube video performance, but because all of that ties into all the different other revenue streams so strongly, that's where it, it does become maddening because you, you you can't figure it out and it's so frustrating and it can just be so frustrating. And that's that's where we're going last. That's what I was talking about last season was dealing with that. And... I'm trying to think of the the best way that I want to approach the the next thing here. So I guess the 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 moral of that story is when you have a platform like YouTube which is owned by Google, which is a data first company, why they use that data, that's a whole separate thing, but talk about a company that has access to data. That's them and that's YouTube. So as a YouTube creator, you can jump into your YouTube studio and check your analytics and not just look at views and subscribers, but you can dial down so many granular little things to help you, I guess help you or just make you anxious <laughs> uh, to, to use that information as you will. And there's so much more info than you would ever need there. But I think it can be useful. And I know like I'm not the kind of person, we talked about this just on the couples table this past week where we're looking at like viewer retention and Heather was asking, what do you do when it says your viewer retention is up or down? And I was like, I just log in and I see a green arrow and I get happy or I see a red arrow and I get sad. And I, I don't, I, that's it. It's like, hey, more people are watching this video than usual. And I'm like, sweet. I don't know what to do. Like to me, it's the same quality. It's the same it's at the same level as all the other videos. So I don't know why this one's performing better than that one, or this one's performing worse than that one. I don't know. It all feels like sides of the same coin to me as a creator. And maybe I'm just being dumb by not overanalyzing that stuff or spending more time figuring it out. Cause I know there's people who've gone so crazy with their analytics that they're like, they have it down to a science where, you know, it, it, it can be super bizarre things. Like I need my videos to be nine minutes and 46 seconds exactly for optimal viewer retention. And if I say the word rutabaga eight times before the four minute mark, my viewer retention will increase by 36%. Like I have no interest <laughs> in do, in going down that rabbit hole. I think some people actually enjoy it. They enjoy like the analysis and the, like the puzzle side of, trying to connect what they make with viewer behavior, with the actual numbers and the qualitative, quantitative, quantitative analytics. And I, that's just not me. It's it's confusing and it's, it's free. So here's what I'll say. What I learned was check the analytics as much as you want in whatever way you want. And as long as it's not getting in the way of you doing other things you need to do or causing a disruption, you know, in relationships with other people, don't feel bad about it. If you check it once a day, once a week, that's cool. If you check it 10 times a day, that's cool too. As long as it's not getting in the way of anything else, don't beat yourself up about it. The thing that I do think is important to watch out for is how those numbers are affecting you. And that's tricky because it's normal. It's normal if you see a, a positive spike in your numbers to be really happy and excited. Like, hey, I made something, it's doing really well, this is awesome. It's normal if you see everything going down to feel sad, you know? Or it's normal if you work really hard on a video and it doesn't perform very well and YouTube gives you the 10 out of 10 ranking, which isn't a good 10 out of 10. 
to feel bummed about that. And it's normal when your videos one out of 10, you get the little fireworks show in your YouTube studio. If you know, if you know what I mean, if you've been fortunate enough to see it, that's normal to feel good. But keeping that stuff in check, I think is really important. Even the positives, because if you're, it's great if you're checking your analytics and you feel happy, but I can tell you from experience that when things go up and up and up and up and up, you can kind of start to feel like, oh, this is just how it is and it will never get worse and it's always just going to stay like this. And then when it goes inevitably down to some degree, that can be really devastating. And that's happened, you know, several times throughout my time on the platform. And obviously the same thing goes where if it if you check in, the numbers aren't where you want them. If it's devastating and it bums you out and it makes you upset and it makes you not want to like make anything else or you reevaluate everything and want to quit and stuff, that's obviously not a good thing either. So it's normal to have, it's kind of like the negative comment thing where, you know, I did talk about last season, the month of May this year, I got the most negative comments I've ever, I got more negative comments in May than in the other four years or almost four years of my channel combined. I don't know what happened, uh, but it was annoying and I did not like it and I don't want that to happen again. But beyond weird things like that, you know, early on getting negative comments felt crummy and it's not like it feels good now, but it would, it would kind of bum me out for a while, you know, it would sort of like throw me off for the day or part of the day or something. And now I get a negative comment. It makes me annoyed. I delete it. And the whole thing takes 15 seconds and that's it. And then I move on and forget about it. Unless it's particularly like weird. And then I bring it up because it just stuck out in a weird way, but I've gotten better at like, I have the emotional reaction, but then it just sort of gets dealt with and then move on from. And I think your analytics sort of need to be the same way. You check them and they're good, awesome, feel happy, cool, move on. If they're not going in a good way, that's okay. It's normal to feel bummed out. Don't feel like you're failing because you feel sad about that. But then just go, okay, and move on. Like try to be as objective as possible and just use it as as a status check. Like this is what it is. Okay, moving on. And that, and then continue to make stuff because this was my biggest discovery over the past, we'll call it four to six weeks. Believe it or not, I like making videos. I know that's mind blowing. <laughs> but that, that was kind of my discovery because as I was going through all this and as I was feeling frustrated and as I was feeling annoyed and everything, what I noticed more so than I had in the past was just how fun making videos is. And I really like, I love kind of everything about the process. Like I like having an idea and then trying to bring that idea to life in a way that makes sense, in a way that can be helpful or interesting to someone. I like the production side of things, using the cameras and the equipment. I like figuring out, you know, like maybe I could do the lighting here. I could change the audio this way to make it sound a little better. I like improving every time. I like editing and bringing it all together. I've lately especially really gotten into trying to spend more time editing and even if it's not necessarily more hours altogether, but like edit for a few hours one day and then stop and come back the next day, because even though I could power through and probably finish, the less rushed perspective or less rushed approach that I'm having seems to make the videos better. Analytically, I don't know if the, the videos are better, but for me, I'm more proud of them. I feel like this is a better video. I'm, it does cooler things. I feel like I accomplish something at a higher level than I was before. And I, I really like that. And so even when I'm frustrated by bad numbers, even when I'm frustrated by negative comments, even when I'm stressed out about revenue and all that stuff, making videos is super fun. And what I noticed was everything else kind of melted away as I was like making the video. It's just really, it's fun. The whole thing is fun. And the best thing I can do instead of sitting there staring at numbers and feeling bad about myself because of what a dumb red arrow on a screen says, instead, I could just make another video and have fun and then make something you never know. Well, I guess it's never going to hurt to expand your library and your catalog of videos on YouTube, but it really does only take one video to change everything for your channel. And sometimes you have multiple ones of those videos throughout your time. And I don't even mean necessarily going viral, but it could be one video that brings in like the audience that now loves everything else that you make, or it could be one video that gives you 
a more clear sense of direction for your channel or who your audience is or what you want your channel to be. And you just need to keep making videos to get to the point where you can discover that and figure what, figure out what that is. And so just continuing to make videos, that was kind of basically right when we wrapped up season four, that was kind of what I decided was, I'm just going to make videos and have fun. I have the time now that I've sort of settled into more of a routine without my teaching job. I feel a little more comfortable putting out two pieces of content a week. So I have my Thursday uploads, which have ne never changed. But now also mainly because I'm impatient and waiting from Thursday to Thursday is a long time. <laughs> uh, so I've been trying to put something out on Mondays as well, because then I something comes out on Thursday and I get really excited and it's like fun, like, hey, yeah, new video. And then Monday rolls around. I'm like, hey, excited. And then yeah, new video. And then Thursday again. Um, so sometimes it's a video. Sometimes it's a live stream. Sometimes it's literally like an email newsletter, but just something in addition to this podcast, which comes out every Monday the audio version, uh, that is, that has been really fun to kind of like play with new things. And later on, like I'm sort of doing that experiment for, I'm trying to do it for like two or three months and then just see, just sort of see, like, did it help the channel? Did it hurt the channel? Was it taxing on me to make more stuff or was it invigorating to make more stuff? So far I'm really liking it. So I'm kind of like running this long-term experience and then I will like report back with my findings. That was kind of the thing was, I just really like making videos. And even this is where the whole topic of staying in your creative lane comes into play. So I promise I'm not trying to bury the lead. I'm just like wrapping it in tons and tons of context. And in addition to numbers and analytics, it's so easy to play the comparison game. And there's an episode from, there's been so many seasons now I think it was season three, I did an episode called, maybe it's season two, Comparison is the Thief of Joy. And it talked all about how it feels when you start comparing yourself creatively to other people. And it is very unfulfilling and feels really crummy. And it's not a thing that I recommend that you do. And it is kind of inevitable to a certain extent. So, you know, I, I guess like, for example, I'll, I'll use Peter Lindgren as an example, who... Now, like we've been friends for a long time, like genuine, legit friends. And we also have a podcast together, which we haven't recorded an episode for in like a really long time. But anyway, <laughs> we started our channels at the exact same time. And our numbers were exactly the same for the first two years, I think it was. Um, I mean, like literally, like we had the same number of videos, pretty much the same subscriber number, same view numbers. Everything was the same. If anything, my channel was a little ahead and then in the summer of 2019, Peter's channel exploded. He is just about to cross the 500,000, half a million subscriber mark. Uh, and that is completely insane. And I would be lying if I said that when we, you know, became friends and got to know each other and like we were kind of realizing how similar our channel journeys had been, even though numbers wise they were very different that I was kind of feeling like wait like we started at the same time and he's there and I'm only here and that made me feel bad and eventually I just kind of got over that and you know realized there's a lot of reasons why Peter's channel grew in a way that mine didn't and some of those he has control over some of those he doesn't some things I could potentially like try to incorporate and some things I couldn't and ultimately like even though we're on the same platform and we've been doing these the same amount of time. We're very different people. We have different audiences. Different. There's so many differences that you can't you can't expect one person's result to then be your results as well. It's it's very much an individual experience for everybody. And more than anything, I learned to be really happy, like genuinely happy for somebody I care about who who sees success. It's something creative that they're putting a lot of effort into. And I know that sounds like obvious, but you you've heard people say. I'm happy for you. And it doesn't really seem like they're happy for you. But I'm sure you've also experienced when something good happens to someone and you're just, it's not because it benefits you in any way. It's not because you get anything out of it. You're just happy for them because something good happened and you care about them and you're excited about that. Learning to feel that way about other people's success on YouTube is a really good thing. Like just being happy when you see someone who's like, it's like the good, 
the good guy is getting a win, you know, someone who's just making good stuff, having fun with it, putting positive stuff out in the world, and they're seeing success with it. That's a really good thing. And if it's someone that you know, and someone that you care about, and then they can, they, they're able to use that to support themselves or to find fulfillment or whatever, that should make you happy because it's a good thing for someone you care about. However, <laughs> there's always the however and the but. It, it's so, it's difficult to get to that point. And sometimes you can start comparing yourself to others without realizing it and without realizing the effect it has on you. And I was doing a live stream several weeks ago with Doc Rock, who's like the community manager for Ecamm, but also has his own channel, which is amazing. He does live stream. He live streams all the time, but he live streams on his channel every Saturday. Just Doc Rock and go check him out. He's amazing. And we were talking and he was, we were talking kind of about the same thing, like comparing yourself to others. And he was explaining that back in like his school days, he was on the track team and he, he was trying to be the fastest person on the track team. And so he was constantly looking at what the other runners were doing and trying to like keep up with them and outpace them or whatever. And it was finally when he stopped doing that and just started looking straight ahead that he started performing better when he wasn't paying attention to them. And he, he mentioned that it was like physically his brain wouldn't let him run at full speed when his head was looking to the side because of getting hurt and things, you know, your brain doesn't want like, you're not looking straight ahead. Cool. Let's run straight ahead, especially when there's hurdles and things like no, very, very dangerous. So once he started not paying attention to everyone else and looking straight ahead, he was able to then like put everything he had into going straight ahead. Now I am not an athletic person. So I was not on the track team. I played soccer for one game in the first grade and then I quit the team. So I don't have any experiences like that, but I have driven cars places and that that is where it hit me to the stay in your lane thing because I get, you know, I get annoyed as I'm sure maybe you do when you're driving somewhere and you see someone who's just kind of like, have you ever seen somebody who is just a mess on the road and you don't know how they and everyone around them is still alive? Like it literally happened this morning. I was riding my bike. That's the most athletic thing pretty much that I do. I was riding my bike and a car came out of a gated neighborhood, um, like blasting through the gate way too fast. Then almost like, I don't want to say almost hit me. They didn't almost hit me, but they kind of like swerved a little too close to me and then randomly honked the horn at me. Who's just like one guy in the bike lane. There's no one else on the road. Like what? And then was like veering over into another lane. And then the passenger door like opened and closed real quick. And then like they flew around a corner without um, turning on their blinker or anything. And I was like, I have watched you drive for 28 seconds and you've broken like six, six laws and endangered yourself and others on multiple occasions how far are you driving? Like, because this is clearly a pattern of behavior that is just gonna keep going. And that is, uh, that is scary and very, very dangerous. And I know, you know, similarly when I'm driving and I pull up somewhere and you look over and someone's like eating their breakfast in their car or, you know, applying a full face of makeup in the mirror and you're just like, oh, hey, you're driving like a really high powered, dangerous vehicle and maybe not do that right now. But that's what got me thinking with Doc's story because when you're driving, it makes sense to be aware of what's around you because you need to know this person next to you is eating a bagel while putting on lipstick and talking into their phone somehow with all of their hands and driving a car. And you need to know there's a car coming up behind you and this person's going to change lanes and there's brake lights up ahead. Like you need to have your situational awareness to kind of know where you are, what's happening around you, and, and you know what you might be able to expect up ahead. That is safe, and that's going to help you be a better driver. But if you're the one who is like really, really, really interested in everyone around you, and you're not just looking and going, okay, there's a car to my left, but you're trying to like read their GPS to see what address they're going to, or you're looking into another car, and you're trying to like read their speedometer to see the exact speed, or you're trying to eavesdrop on a conversation happening in the car or what they're listening to on the radio or whatever, that is going to be very, very dangerous. And you're going to potentially put yourself and others in danger. And that's not a good thing. 
And if you're too much into your own stuff, like if you're like, I'm not going to pay attention to anyone else, I'm just going to like stare at my speedometer or just like the, the road directly in front of me, that's also dangerous as well. Like you need to have a little bit of that situational awareness. And that's where it tied into, I was like, oh, that's what it's like with creativity because you can't help but be aware of who's around you and you can't help but, you know, play a little bit of comparison. Just like when you're driving, like, oh, I'm going 70 miles an hour. Are they going 70 miles an hour? Okay, this person's going really fast. This person's going really slow. So you kind of know what's happening around you, but it's not going to affect you unless something like has to because it's unavoidable. But otherwise, you're doing your thing and you have awareness of what's around you creatively like on youtube same thing you're doing your thing you have awareness of what's around you this person's doing really well let's look at this person they're behind me but they're growing they're coming up real fast wow oh things are slowing down up ahead like cool if you start paying too much attention to what other people are doing and you start seeing well this person's going this person's performing so much better what are they doing maybe i need to be doing that oh okay maybe i'm gonna take this strategy and do that but wait, what about this person? Oh, I'm going to do that. This person's not doing well and I'm doing something that they're doing. So I'm going to stop that. You're just going to make yourself crazy and you're not going to grow creatively. You're not really going to accomplish much and you're going to potentially like, you know, crash your own channel, crash your own creativity because you're not, you're not focused on what you're doing. So that's what I mean when I say staying in your lane creatively, like you, you have an idea of what you want to do, you know what you're doing and you just stay the course. Be aware of what's happening around you. Hey, here's a big change on this platform that might affect something. Okay, I'm going to be aware of that. Uh, here's something that like it does really seem like, you know, I don't know what it might be. Here's a, a technique or a way of making videos that really does seem to be pushing people ahead. Maybe that would fit in with my content organically, or maybe it doesn't. But you're just kind of doing your thing. You're aware of what's happening, and you're not letting it you know, veer you out of your lane. You're just staying in your lane. And I know that's like the, a really simple, probably not like super earth shattering metaphor or analogy or whatever it might be. But to me, it was really helpful because it, it let me feel comfortable. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience while driving where sometimes if you are paying attention to, you know, trying to really keep up with everybody and do this, that, and the other thing, it can be stressful. Whereas if you're just like, I'm going where I'm going and I get there when I get there. <laughs> it, it's like, ah, oh, how relaxing and how easy. I'll enjoy a sweet podcast on the radio. I will safely, you know, have a snack or something and just enjoy the ride. And that is such a much more enjoyable experience overall than trying to, you know, do all this insanity while you're trying to get there. Like, it's a very, very cliche thing of it's not the destination, it's the journey, but it is very, very, very true. And so creatively, it's so freeing. And it was to me when I realized that, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to do what I do on my channel. And I hope that it does well. And if I have months and months and months where things are doing poorly, then clearly I do need to reevaluate because, you know, something is wrong. But if there's just dips and peaks and valleys and stuff, and that's normal, and then that's fine. And that's to, you know, that's all to be expected. And instead of living and dying with each change, I will just stay the course, have fun, do what I want to do and enjoy the process because that is what is super fun to me. And since I've been doing that, I have been so much less stressed. I've had so much more fun. I think the videos I've made have been better. And I just wanted to make sure to share that with you because as simple as it is, it really, really helps. And sometimes just having somebody else tell you that can be beneficial because if you think if you think like well I'll just do my own thing and everything will be okay but then you're kind of scared like right right everybody like can I do my own thing or is that dangerous having someone else tell you like yeah doing your own thing is is good and it will be okay and you can do that and everything is fine and you don't need to stress out about it or work yourself up or, or freak out about anything so that's what I've been doing and it's been working pretty well because I, as I said, feel significantly better and the channel seems to be uh, kind of going back on track. It's not where it was, but I'm I'm totally happy with the with how everything is performing, how the channel's doing right now. And like I said, I'm having um, a really good time with it too. So hopefully that trend <laughs> just continues. And there's so many reasons that the channel could have taken a dive and, and why so many people's 
channels, so many other people's, this doesn't sound like words anymore, the channels of so many other people didn't do well uh, in the spring. And a lot of it, which again, is a thing of me not listening to advice, but for a long time, people were saying like, once things open up and the pandemic seems to be somewhat under control, probably like, you know, YouTube numbers will go down. And I thought like, well, YouTube numbers were going up before the pandemic, like when the world was open. So why would that hugely change? And I do think that that actually did have an impact because as soon as things on a large scale around the world, and especially in the United States where I'm at, started like opening back up and people like emerged from their homes for the first time in over a year, numbers definitely went down. I also think, and I believe there's evidence to back this up, that there were algorithmic changes put in place at that same time. And I, I don't think the two things are unrelated. I, I would totally make sense. I don't think this is a conspiracy theory to think that YouTube was noticing massive changes in audience behavior and then adjusted algorithms to serve up different content in different ways, perhaps. I'm sure that if you look back in the spring of 2020, when suddenly everybody was stuck at home, there's probably shifts to, to change how things are recommended and what was re being recommended to people who were stuck at home. It totally makes sense that in July of 2021, people aren't as interested in like live streaming setups and audio video gear as they were in July of 2020, when suddenly it was like, I need to learn this stuff to continue to do my job because the world seems to be ending and now I need a microphone for it. And, you know, I think that, I think that all plays into it. It's also just like, at least in the Northern hemisphere, it's summertime and people are just out doing other stuff. Maybe YouTube is just not the thing. I would be interested to see, you know, like traditionally the fall and the holiday time is where things start to really kick up and kick into gear, like towards the later part of the year. I'll be interested to see if that happens again this year, because at the very least that will kind of like seeing familiar patterns that aren't just true for me, but are true on a larger scale can be comforting because you're like, okay, things are weird and all over the place. But in general, the the basic trends and the basic cycles are still the way they've always been. And, and that is comforting. So we will see how things go. <laughs> of course, I'll keep you updated uh, every week here through this podcast. And I did something different, which I have not yet done in four seasons. I actually planned and organized <laughs> for the next season, which is nothing too, too crazy. But this is just now, I guess, for someone who produces a podcast or weekly show, here's some behind the scenes info. I just use notes for everything. The notes app on my computer. You probably know that if you, you probably note, took note of that, if you know me, because uh, it's just so simple and so easy. And it, it's automatically on your phone, your iPad, your computer. So if you're in the little Apple ecosystem, the basic free notes app is quite amazing. It's got a nice little checklist feature. So what that means is uh, I went and, and normally what I do is I start a season and I just go for 21 episodes and then I stop and I take a break for a week or two and then I do 21 episodes and I stop. And sometimes I miss a week or two in there, but that's pretty much how it's been. I've never really thought about it more than this. But this time I was like, okay, I have some ideas. So I want to put those down, but I also want to see, you know, I, I don't want to do too much of the same thing all at once. So maybe I could spread them out. So I did a little list of episodes one through 21 of this season, which go all the way through November 29th. If I don't miss a week, it would be November 29th would be the season finale. And then I got nervous because even though it's the same amount of time that it's always been seeing it going like, oh, I'm starting a season. And that's basically through the end of the year. Like, what a big undertaking. It's like, I've done this, I've done this for years at this point, but I've never put it out formally and having it listed out formally um, felt intimidating and weird. But once I got over that, it was actually nice to have things organized. So I've sort of thrown in some, some episodes that I know we'll be working on. And then I also left some blank spaces because things will change. You know, who knows what's going to happen in a month or two. And there might be something that pops up that I, I want to talk about. I always do love hearing feedback. Like when I was going through my whole camera conundrum earlier this year, it was really great to get the feedback from everyone. And I made multiple episodes about why I'm thinking of buying a certain camera, which I thought no one would be interested in. And I got like probably some of the best feedback on those episodes, uh, which is great. And I love talking about that. So I'm always interested in, 
as much as this podcast is a creative endeavor for me, I want it to be a thing of value for other people and a thing of, you know, I want it to be worth your time if you're going to give me the, your time to listen. And I always try to figure out the balance of, you know, how much do I want to spend talking about the creative side of things. We want to talk about the practical side of things. We want to talk about the gear side of things. And it's always been kind of a combination of all of that. So point is, I really like feedback. If you want to send me messages, feel free to do that. If you want to send me an email to be included in a future episode, please feel free to do that. So if you have any kind of thoughts to what I'm talking about today, or you want to, you know, even send a voice message, you can send it to tom at enthusiasmproject.com and you can be included in a future episode. If you want to just do a written comment, that's cool. But if you want to send in an audio sample or heck, even a video sample, because there's a video version, if you want to send in video too, you could do that. However you want to be included, feel free to to share your thoughts and then I can put you in the next episode because it's always kind of fun when the dialogue continues. Or of course, you can always just send me messages and, and uh, let me know what you think. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know maybe some ideas for things you would like to hear on the show. And of course, if you want to support the show, there are links in the show notes for Patreon and Buy Me a Coffee, whichever one works for you. And if you don't want to do either of those, please do not feel obligated. I'm more than happy to know that you're just giving me the gift of your time, your most precious resource to listen to me ramble in a room for an hour. <laughs> uh, but again, if you're not on Patreon, that is how you get access to the video version of this podcast, in addition to other updates, posts, and fun things like that. So, Thank you so much for listening. We did it. We kicked off season five. Season five is alive. So now let's thrive because I got the drive. Um, uh, something about a hive. I don't know. Uh, now, if this goes according to plan, I should be able to push one button and it will play the outro. So if you're watching the video, you'll see the graphic. If you're listening to the audio version, you'll hear the song. And then when it's done, it should just end the recording. We'll see if the magic of technology works. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please have a safe, happy, healthy, fun rest of your week. And I will see you next time.